Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine, broadcasting from the Oilfield Expert Studios. Oilfield Experts, where you get the right products right now. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. And welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, and today we have a great show lined up for you. We will be joined by Commissioner Wayne Christian, chairman of the Texas Railroad Commission. But first, let me tell you a little bit about our latest issue of Shell Magazine, in which the feature cover is Mike Howard, CEO of Howard Energy. What an amazing midstream company. You definitely don't want to miss this issue along with so many other insightful articles, all talking about the oil and gas. Of course, there's some business articles you can find as well. So for more information, go to shale, S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. I'd also like to invite you to a very special event happening September 22nd. It's a luncheon in beautiful Corpus Christi, Texas. It is our annual State of Energy event in which we will have our keynote, Mike Howard, talking to us about an update on the current state of energy as well as the CEO from the Port of Corpus Christi, Sean Strawbridge, will also be joined by Congressman Cloud and many more speakers and panelists. For more information and to get your tickets because we will be sold out for this event, go to shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag.com and click on the banner ad that says state of energy to get your tickets or sponsor a table now and now it's time to bring on a resident energy expert david blackman david welcome to this week's show hey it's another beautiful day in texas isn't it it sure is so we have upcoming chairman christian and that is definitely a great interview but first before we bring him on i wanted to talk to you briefly about some upcoming things that have been happening. Two specific storms are now in the Gulf of Mexico this week. Tell me a little bit about the kind of impacts these storms are going to cause on the oil and gas sector. We know there's a lot of preparation that has to go on to shut down refineries and stuff. So what, what, what does that look like? Yeah, you know, it's, it's both the offshore production platforms, you know, need to be secured, all the equipment secured, uh, all the production shut down, and you physically have to disconnect the producing platform from the oil production line and cap that sales line with a blowout preventer uh, that that's been happening all week, you know, in advance of the storms. Mm-hmm. And then you have to evacuate the crews to the onshore via helicopter or boat. You know, most of them come back on shore via helicopter. The hundreds and hundreds of employees out there in the Gulf of Mexico, uh, lots of flights on these big Sikorsky helicopters that uh, hold 12 to 15 people. It's it's an incredible operation. I've been through it myself before uh, years ago, and uh, it, it's an amazing thing that the industry accomplishes. And then, you know, with refiners, particularly with Hurricane Laura, you know, uh, hitting as it did the, uh, the, the heart of the refining business between Houston and Baton Rouge, where about 30% of the nation's refining capacity uh, operates. Uh, that's where our refiners are. So it's a big thing and they have to, you know, they have to shut down the refineries from operation. You know, they have to put up temporary barriers, flood barriers. They have permanent barriers. Then they also have uh, temporary barriers that uh, seal off the roads coming into and out of the facility. Uh, and again, evacuate all but, you know, completely essential employees, get them out of there and out of harm's way. And so it's a big operation. 
very costly to the industry. Right. Uh, you know, and it's, it's just something that's part of life. Uh, in the Gulf of Mexico and along the Texas Gulf Coast. Well, you know, David, hurricanes and big storms are, you know, happening a lot in South Texas, too. So we're kind of used to that. I do want to say that, of course, our prayers are with the individuals that are going to be affected. And we do know that the oil and gas companies do to do a whole lot of work to make sure that they have taken care of shutting down the facilities and making sure everyone's safe. I want to switch gears because this is kind of a, a strange report that is out. It's Wood McKenzie released a new report this week in which it finds that COVID-19 has set back the growth of the electric vehicle industry for about two years now. And uh, the conflict is a lot with uh, the media reports who re- even recently have kind of stated that the EVs are going to take over the world. And so due to COVID-19, I mean, there's been a lot of chatter on we need more money for electric vehicles and um, they need to be in place now instead of later. So how did COVID-19 affect this part of the industry? Well, you're right. I mean, it, it does conflict with all the boosterism we've seen in the, in the news media this year uh, predicting without any evidence that I can tell that somehow the COVID-19 pandemic was going to accelerate the transition away from gasoline vehicles, the transition to renewable fuel sources and electric vehicles. Um, There's really no, as far as I can tell, fundamental data that supports this contention. And it's been, I think, more of a propaganda effort than anything else, kind of coordinated between the green community and the news media. Yeah, this Wood McKenzie report, you know, basically says that, look, COVID-19 has killed demand for electric vehicles. They're not competitive in the marketplace, even with their subsidies. Uh, And people, you know, because people now are unemployed, uh, a lot of people who might have bought electric vehicles uh, are without jobs right now, thanks to the nation's response to COVID-19. And, and, you know, you, you just have a lack of capital for, for people to go out and buy these cars. The other thing is, too, that I keep saying that, you know, I think a year from now, other people are going to be realizing is that we're bankrupting governments all over the world. And government subsidies is what has has kept the EV business growing, uh, not just in the United States, but in Europe and everywhere else. And the money for these subsidies, uh, also for wind and solar, have been heavily subsidized by governments. That's going to be something that's uh, going to be in great peril of, of not being able to continue in their current, to the extent they're currently in place. And uh, when you look at the Biden campaign's uh, platform, they envision doubling, tripling, quadrupling those subsidies. And I just, honestly, uh, it's really hard to see where that money is going to come from. And we, we're adding trillions of dollars to the national just debt because right of COVID, now. as it is, and, right? Yeah. And so anyway, where's that money going to come from? It's a tough situation for those subsidies. Right. Well, you know, let's discuss the debates, uh, the national debates. Both the Democrats and the Republican have now concluded theirs. Do you feel that one party over the other really changed their position or, or have they changed their position pertaining to energy? Did you see any real big changes in your opinion? No. Not in the conventions and, and you know, the, the Biden campaign continues to try to walk back some of the rash promises he made during the debates. Right. You know, during the debates, he, he promised to uh, to ban fracking. He promised to mm-hmm. end oil and gas leasing on federal lands, which is a formal plank in the Democratic Party's uh, platform now. 
Uh, he also promised to end the use of oil and gas entirely in the United States uh, during one of the debates in December. Uh, so he's trying to moderate his stances, which is very predictable once you get out of the primaries into a general election campaign. But the reality remains that, that a Biden-Kamala Harris presidency, the Kamala Harris has long advocated banning hydraulic fracturing. Um, and she's not walking any of that back, as far as I can tell. Very dangerous for the industry. The, the Trump administration, obviously, where the oil and gas business is concerned, is, is much more supportive, obviously, and that remains today. So, in your opinion, what does a Biden-Kamala presidency look like? I know that you're, you're saying that Kamala Harris is completely against fracking, but uh, she's not actually going to be the president. So, is it a dramatic change, or is yeah. it... Yeah, that's true, too. I'm sorry. I should not have said that. Hold on. Um, But is it an immediate change or is it more like Wednesday's report that came out that his camps kind of walked back a lot of the stuff you discussed a minute ago that, you know, he's not really going to ban fracking. However, we do know that we'll see a lot of changes uh, when we to federal lands and and it's going to affect Texas. Texas has a lot of uh, federal land offshore and stuff that we're. So how does this affect us or the industry, if you will? If he should be elected, is it, is it a dramatic change uh, here for Texas? Because Texas does have all these resources here. See, I think it's a dramatic change. If you if, Even if all they do is shut down leasing on federal lands and in the Gulf of Mexico. It's huge. Well, the impact that has on investment will be enormous because one of the reasons the United States has been able to attract all this capital investment, hundreds of billions of dollars every year in capital investment by the industry, is because we have had a great deal of certainty over the years and what the regulatory and legislative picture here in the United States looks like. A, a ban on new leasing on federal lands changes that. It changes the deal in the United States. It ends regulatory certainty, frankly, mm-hmm. for the oil and gas industry in the United States. And I think, you know, it's hard to predict how severe it would be, but I just think you're going to see a lot of capital flight out of the United States and to other countries where where these companies uh, have more, you know, feel like the governments are more reliable right. than a Biden-Harris administration is likely to be. And is it more of, well, once you stop doing that, they go somewhere else. Will these other countries have as much regulatory oversight as the United States does? And uh, do we all not live on one planet? So I guess I'm trying to wrap my head around. If you shut down federal lands and they go somewhere else, did we really get ahead in any way of what the concern was to start it to begin (laughs) with? And, you know, do we think about those things? No. Because then they're going to leave. They're going to go somewhere else and do it. So uh, how did we win the game of environment? If anything, the United States has the most oversight and actually does the most in the way of right. trying to keep or, you know, worry about the environment and make sure that it's always uh, in the forefront. I, I just can't see, that, you know, why this would happen. But uh, I'm not running for president either. David, that is all the time we have for today's show. Thank you for joining <laughs> us. When we come back, we'll be joining Chairman Christian. You're listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show. Remember this name, Oil Field Experts, to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oil field equipment needs. Oil Field Experts' specialty is those hard-to-find oil field parts for your fleet maintenance needs, and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us for the right part right now. Write down this number, Oil Field Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 
471-1923 and visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com. Plan your next meeting or event at Victoria College's Emerging Technology Complex, home to the state-of-the-art conference and education center, conveniently located between Houston and Corpus Christi. The center hosts meetings, educational workshops, and banquets for up to 300 people with the latest in technology amenities and ample parking. Let their professional meeting planners make your next event a success. For more information, go to conferenceinvictoria.com. Once again, that's conferenceinvictoria.com. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. And now, David, it is time to bring on our guest for today, Commissioner Wayne Christian, who is the chairman of the Texas Railroad Commission. Wayne, welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. It's an honor to be with you, and thank you for the good work that you do for Texas and for the oil and gas industry. Thank you, sir. That is definite priority here in the oil patch is to help every consumer that lives in Texas and outside of Texas to understand how important oil and gas is to them, their lives, and their livelihood. With that being said, many people right now who are listening to us think that the commission runs the railroad. Briefly tell us a little bit about your background and, of course, this regulatory body that you've been elected to? Well, of course, I served in the Texas House. My honor as a representative for about 14 years, where I served on the Energy Committee, the uh, uh, regulated industry, and had supervision oversight to the Railroad Commission. So I'm very familiar from that perspective. But the Railroad Commission of Texas is, uh, is 150 years old. We've regulated oil and gas for the last 100 years. They use the Railroad Commission of Texas as the model to create OPEG, sadly, but we are the, uh, Forbes magazine said uh, the Railroad Commission of Texas is the most respected regulatory agency on earth regarding oil and gas. So Texas has something unique and good in the Railroad Commission, and it's an honor to be there as a commissioner to represent the state of Texas, which currently is 40% of oil and gas production in the United States and still and going up because additional. And we, reg- we regulate nothing to do with the railroads. Uh, that's now, but historically that's what we did in the beginning because that's what carried oil and gas to the market was the railways. You regulate them, you regulate oil and gas transportation. Don't have that anymore, but we regulate basically everything under the ground until it gets to the refinery. And, you know, Chairman Christian, I want to also help everyone visualize this agency is one of three, so there's three commissioners. But how important it is, because it's, you know, been around so long that it, you know, you said it's the model for OPEC, but it's also the model for many states. Without oil and gas, obviously, a lot of people, you know, hear this jargon going on about we need to go to renewables and Green New Deal. And and no one's against that. It's just really helping everybody understand uh, this is kind of the golden goose. This is what truly, uh, it's the number one commodity that we need to just even basically survive and much less keep employment numbers high and keep 
you know, gas low at the pump. So it's a very, very, very important regulatory body. And that leads me into, I want to talk a little bit about politics because we've got obviously some new uh, breaking news as far as the new vice president pick for Joe Biden, uh, which is Kamala Harris. And I want to get your opinion on how good of a selection this was for oil and gas specifically. Isn't an R or a D? Just what is her stance? I know that uh, she was a co-sponsor of the Green New Deal that we talk a lot about. And uh, she really supports from day one fracking, banning entirely. So those two things being said, I want to get your opinion on how good is this pick if they make it to the White House for America? Uh, for the Democrat team of Biden and, and, and she to win, uh, it'll be ad- absolutely catastrophic to the industry, to the nation, to our economy. Understand what they're for is keeping it in the ground, uh, making fracking illegal, uh, just going down the line, just unbelievable things of making oil and gas to, to stop making gas and diesel vehicles, uh, to go totally in a ban uh, production at every level, and to... Uh, It'll be catastrophic. Uh, but understand, what they're trying to do is one out of every 10 jobs in the state of Texas alone is direct or indirect oil and gas, 30% of our economy, all of the Texas rainy day fund that we have. And it's just unbelievable what would happen. The economy of the United States during Barack Obama's administration, they were anti-oil and gas production. And uh, Rick Perry, governor and secretary of energy, stated in one time that the Barack Obama years, the eight years he was there, uh, we had an anemic gross national product of 1%. Had it not been for the innovation, the shell play, all developed in the state of Texas, that national gross national product would have been a negative number. We bailed with oil and gas in Texas alone the entire Barack Obama administration's economic uh, history. Amazing. And, you know, it's not just Texas. You know, you look at other parts of the United States that are also very dependent on oil and gas, Pennsylvania and other states. It's a very important topic for all of us. But I also want to keep drilling down and, and helping our listeners understand it's also a matter of national security. We all remember when we were going into the Middle East to fight wars because we were importing a lot of oil to have it here to have it. And and then there's also a lot of people who believe, well, that's good for the environment. But wake up and and think about this. Uh, Do you really think that oil and gas will not be produced somewhere on the planet? And last I checked, Commissioner Christian, we live on one planet. This does not solve anything in any way whatsoever. It only makes the United States much weaker in our economy and much more vulnerable to wars that we really shouldn't be involved in. So it, it makes no sense. And, you know, I, I just wanted to help our listeners understand if you like paying uh, $8 at the pump potentially, and if you like having most of the United States with high unemployment, high utility bills, these are the things that are coming your way when we start looking at giving up what precious resources that we have here. When we get back from break, I want to thank you for talking a little politics with me because obviously I'm very passionate about it. David and I are. When we get back, David has some questions. You guys have been working on flaring the commission. You've also been working on addressing 
that a lot of foreign countries are purchasing uh, oil rights in Texas and leases and properties. What does that mean for us? So we want to get into a whole host of things here in this show pertaining to a few of those issues and more. You are listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Remember this name, Oil Field Experts, to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oil field equipment needs. Oil Field Experts' specialty is those hard-to-find oil field parts for your fleet maintenance needs, and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us for the right part right now. Write down this number, Oil Field Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210 210- Four seven one one nine two three, and visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com. The vision of the Women's Energy Network is to be the premier organization that educates, attracts, retains, and develops professional women working across the value chain. Also known as WEN, our mission is to develop programs that provide networking opportunities and foster career and leadership development of women who work in the energy industry. Thousands of women are breaking ground in energy industry careers every year, and 4,000 of them are already members of the Women's Energy Network across our 14 chapters. Members receive exclusive access to mentoring, job boards, group discussions, member-only networking events, expert speaking engagements, and more. Join today by visiting womensenergynetwork.org slash Houston or call 1-855-390-0650. The Women's Energy Network, empowering women in energy. Welcome back to Indy Oil Patch Radio Program. I'm David Slatkin with my host, Ken Bellotto, and we have the current chairman of the Texas Railroad Commission, Wayne Christian, with us today. Chairman Christian, we... uh, wanted to talk about the flaring issue a little bit here. That's been a a nagging issue for the industry here in Texas and really all over the country for the past 20 years. And uh, the commission came out with some proposed regulations last week. Wanted to give you a chance to talk about those regulations, what they would do. I know you're soliciting comments. And uh, so just let us know how those regulations were developed and, and what they're designed to do, first of all. Well, of course, how they developed was because, uh, number one, we were losing financial support from our banks, from the market, Wall Street, the, the environmental activists, the supporters of the Green New Deal, and the, and the Biden administration's ticket to stop oil and gas production. All of these folks were hounding the different corporations on Wall Street with their issues, and we were losing the ability to get financing, which was driving, especially during this downturn, some of our independent companies into bankruptcy. And so what we did was look, well, flaring became an issue at that point, not because it was necessarily uh, the industry doing something wrong, because it really represented less than 2% of the natural gas production was being flared. But the pictures, the, the visibility, what they were sending across the nation was causing us a lot of problems in the oil and gas industry. So I've, I was the first commissioner in the history of, uh, well, at least in the last hundred years that I can be aware of, that has voted against flaring permits. And I've yeah. asked our Blue Ribbon Task Force to develop a plan, and we've started developing the plan. And I can say, largely because of the downturn, that uh, we have less than half a percent of gas in Texas is, was flared in May. That's a 72% reduction in one year. 99.5% of gas produced in Texas in May 
was sold beneficially to generate electricity, cook dinner, and make hundreds of consumers happy. And so we are moving that direction, and as we come back out of this downturn, we will flare less. Well, well Commissioner, you, uh, one other point about that, too, is Kinder Morgan's building that uh, Permian Highway natural gas pipeline to take gas out of the Permian down to the Gulf Coast markets. And the same environmentalists who complain about flaring are also opposing that pipeline project. Mm-hmm. Talk about how important that pipeline project and other pipelines are to getting rid of this flaring issue entirely. Well, certainly the, the access to, to remove that gas from the well sites and use it to become a, a productive product, especially get it down to the coast, where we're building four liquefied natural gas terminals that are going to be, a, the, I believe, the number one export of the United States in days ahead. And uh, that is what we're trying to do. But you've got to be able to move that product where it can be marketed. And so it's giving us tremendous independence. I mean, today is such a revelation you see on the news of the, of the agreement and the peace agreement they've reached in, in, in the, uh, over in Israel and the Mideast. The president has largely because we've become a producer, the number one producer in the world of gas and oil. And to benefit from this, that means we can not only provide it for ourselves, but provide it for our friends in the rest of the world. So all this is very important for international security. Well, and speaking of international security, because we definitely want to be able to provide it to other countries from the United States, because it, it typically is removed the greenest of anywhere on the planet, right? So this should make the environmentalist happy. But we have another issue that's starting to bubble up, and it's more of a security issue, a national security issue. When we get back from break, there's been a lot of uh, media chatter and coverage on the fact that a lot of international foreign countries are coming to the United States, specifically Texas, and purchasing assets in the oil and gas industry. And I want to talk about that. I also want you to talk a little bit about if there was one thing that COVID did discover was how vulnerable the United States was with medication being manufactured in China. And is this another potential problem that you see that one day we're going to wake up and we're going to notice we got a big security problem with resources in oil and gas? And if anyone listening thinks that they can live one day without oil and gas, they would probably be passed away in 48 hours. This is impossible right now at this moment in time. So this is a really important topic. We do have to take a quick break. Commissioner Christian, when we get back, I want to talk about national security. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. The Texas Alliance of Energy Producers has a rich and commanding history of fighting for the independent oil and gas industry. The Texas Alliance became a statewide organization in 2000 with the merger of two of the oldest oil and gas associations in the nation, the North Texas Oil and Gas Association and the West Central Texas Oil and Gas Association. Today, with more than 2,600 members, the Texas Alliance is the largest statewide association in the country serving independent energy producers and associated industries. Through our efforts in Washington, D.C., and Austin, the Texas Alliance is focused on a better business climate for you. The Texas Alliance has a staff consisting of highly experienced senior staff and supporting consultants serving our membership. Offices are located in Austin and Wichita Falls. Become a member today by visiting texasalliance.org or email us texasalliance at texasalliance.org.
And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Commissioner Wayne Christian, Chairman of the Texas Railroad Commission, and, of course, my co-host, David Blackman. Chairman Christian, before the break, I kind of set up how important you guys have identified we have potentially a matter of national security going on with oil and gas here in the United States. And basically what it is is we have a lot of international companies that are wanting to acquire oil and gas properties here in the United States. Tell us what's wrong with this and uh, and how s- potentially catastrophic could this be for us? Well, Kim, it came from an interview much like this, and that's the good service that you do as a uh, honest broadcaster. And I was having a discussion with a, a, a national media, and I mentioned this, that just like we were seeing the, and it had been proven, the, the national security threat of having our pharmaceuticals produced overseas and the federal congress and administration were now moving that production back to the united states because it was an item of national security mm-hmm. well at this time financially several of our independent companies or mid-sized companies are going bankrupt in the state of texas and are being bought out by the larger international companies okay well a lot of the people on the board and the ownership uh, and shareholders of those international corporations are not our friends. They're the Saudis and Chinese who have virtually attacked us already. And so what what is happening, just like we don't want to wake up and our pharmaceuticals be produced by enemies when we're sick, we don't want to wake up in three to four years and find out that the production controller from international companies, which are controlled by our enemies, and they are saying how much we can or cannot produce in the United States, and so we're at the whelm of an international company on what our United States oil and production is or is not. That is an item of national security. I've been working with the Department of Energy, both of our senators uh, up in Washington and some of our congressmen, but they are very concerned of that, and we're addressing that issue of of concern, of uh, doing that. And their desire also, I call back from the Department of Energy, is we do need to bring back petrochemical production to the United States, which are jobs. And again, use of those natural resources to increase the the uh, economy we have in the United States off of this new discovery we have in West Texas and other oil and gas production that we're going that we have. You hey, know, Commissioner, uh, a question on the, on along those same lines. I think, as you know, uh, the Motiva Refinery, which is the largest refinery in the United States, uh, used to be owned 50-50 between Shell and Saudi Aramco, but the Shell sold out to Saudi Aramco couple of years ago and so the Saudis now own 100 percent of the largest refinery in Texas and in the United States. Do you have similar concerns about the refining companies being owned by these foreign yeah, countries? Yes definitely. In fact I was with visiting production? with the Minister of Energy from Canada and with uh, uh, the Department of Energy and what we're trying to do is come up and I, I had the IOGCC of which I'm the Texas representative, which is the Interstate Oil and Gas Compact Commission, the 31 countries and Canada that uh, that advise the federal government on oil and gas issues. I had a proclamation that I authored sent to Washington from IOGCC uh, just stating that it was unfair what Saudi Arabia had done in just flooding our market, dumping oil at a time that we had this downturn, and they dumped tremendous oil. They dumped... 1.3 million barrels a day during this pandemic mm-hmm. uh, before yeah. and, and it flooded the market harmed our production and so my idea is can we as the united states limit the amount of imported oil 
uh, to some extent, or when somebody dumps on us, even though their refineries are owned inside the United States, we have control legally from Washington over them. And so we can limit import productions when they are dumping on us unfairly. Okay, so let me ask you a question. If we can get that done, which is great, what about also if they buy up a lot of here? We saw something really terrible happen in COVID, and we realize now how vulnerable we are as a country and, of course, as a world. We're all connected together. Is there a doomsday prediction you could give us, uh, our listeners, on what happens if we wake up and we're not – it's not COVID anymore. It's oil and gas. Can they – if they're purchasing so much oil and gas – what happens if they decide to close the spigots here on us? Well, of course, if they're, if they're controlling the production from the oil patch, they can do exactly that, just shut it down. And all of a sudden, we're sitting here dependent again on the rest of the world uh, to go and import oil. And there's a book called The Prize that, that says from 1850, every major world war, the major cause of those conflicts was access to energy. And just, just like we had seen... I talked to the Israeli ambassador, uh, the United States ambassador to Israel, and he said the find of oil and gas in West Texas had made the difference worldwide to all of our ambassadors and negotiations. We are sitting at a place that we are energy dominant and are moving toward being the largest exporter. We're currently the largest producer. But if they cut off the tap from international control, all of that safety and the lives that we have given in decades century past around the world to get our access to the Persian Gulf, the access to energy worldwide, that we will no longer need to give our American lives for that because of the new discoveries will be turned totally around. And so it's, it's a national security major threat to world uh, security uh, for internationals to control how much oil and gas are produced from the United States. And if you think that this really doesn't involve you because you don't work in oil and gas and you're an environmentalist that wants us to recycle and keep it in the ground, that's perfectly okay. That's your opinion. But let's think about this a little further. This does involve you and it does make you very vulnerable because without oil and gas, you're basically dead in the water. And I mean that literally. You you do not have access to pharmaceutical medications. You do, not, you do not have access to heat or air conditioning. You do not have access to even a vehicle because that's made from oil and gas. And everything we use is dependent on oil and gas currently. Kim, let me just add before you break. Uh, I used to, they can Google. Google it. Don't depend on anybody. Google is always fair. Good. Everything's true on Google, right? They can Google. <laughs> and right now, Wind and solar, the alternative energy production, is less than 9.3% of the total electricity produced in the United States. That means if we keep it in the ground and shut it down, we're going to have to shut down 90% of our air conditioners, our cars. And by the way, electric cars don't run on wind. They run on natural gas. Right. That's what's producing 90% of the electricity out here. That's right. So. That's that's the tr- reality of it. And that's what no one ever talks about. When we get back from break, though, we're going to switch gears again, and I want to talk about the unemployment rate. Uh, you have a new task force. We want to hear about that. And we also want to talk about finances and Wall Street. You're listening to an Old Patch Radio Show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Are you a business owner feeling overwhelmed where to begin your business's online presence? Maybe you've spent thousands of dollars in the past just to be highly disappointed with the results. We understand because we were once you. Since then, we decided to hire the very best experts to help us and you. Let us send you our business profile that will quickly show you your Google business rankings in these five areas. Reputation 
ratings online, website, advertising and social media, and search engine optimization. All of these areas really affect how Google ranks your entire listing. So if ranking on page one is your goal, pick up the phone and call us now, 210-240-7188, or simply go to shalemag.com slash business profile. We'll be in contact with you within 24 hours. Once again, pick up the phone and call us now, 210-240-7188, or simply go to shalemag.com. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com slash business profile. Start dealing with a company you can trust and always find. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com. Welcome back to Indy All Patch Radio Show. I'm David Blackman with my host, Kim Bellotto, and here with uh, current chairman of the Texas Railroad Commission, Wayne Christian. Commissioner, before the break, we, we were leading into talking about the task force you have going on now. It's a joint task force with, with the industry and other stakeholders. I know you guys, uh, one of your big, heavy focus areas uh, is employment in the oil and gas industry and elsewhere, and I want to give you a chance to talk about what y'all are doing related to, to industry employment labor? Yeah, there's no doubt. When I first became a commissioner about a little over three years ago now, uh, almost four, uh, the, I, I was told that each commissioner uh, had the ability to do a, a private task and have a little project. And immediately I started talking with the industry, and we had the largest number of pipelines on the drawing boards in history, four LNG facilities, had discovered the largest amount of oil and gas in West Texas that we had on, on record at the time. And today that's expanded to a tremendous amount. But what we were short were the labor from truck drivers through petroleum engineering. All of our universities, communities, technical colleges were producing full steam, and it was not meeting the need. I go up to IGCC, the 31 states, and guess what their number one issue is? Employment. We're short of it nationwide of employees in the industry, partially because we have sat on our duffs and allowed some, I call them, Vietnam draft-dodging tenured professors to teach our kids not only that the free market capitalist system is evil, but that oil and gas is dirty and horrible and how terrible it is. And so there's not a lot of kids or people desiring to move into the industry. So part of the fight is to re-educate the public like you do so well on your program of the truth of what oil and gas is and that we're the cleanest industrial country in the world and that the EPA itself says since 1970 we've decreased every gas they label as negative and harmful by 75 percent since 1970. So we are totally the cleanest industrial nation on planet Earth. But the jobs are there, and, and what we found uh, is I developed a task force for employment to find what do we do. So all the industry, the different trade associations have come together, and we have worked on several different ideas. We meet uh, as regularly as possible, but what one thing we found was a pilot program school. And we found one in rural East Texas, and uh, they had a little community college that had created 2,000 jobs in a small uh, community, but it was 92% employment, and they could not, though, when they got in the oil patch, move up in the corporate ladder because they didn't have their four-year diploma. So the community college 
uh, moved, uh, got with their four-year college here, and they now accept 100% of those hours, and the student in the field can complete the last two years uh, in the field to get their four-year diploma. Now, what that means is at the end of two years, uh, kids can get a uh, five-figure job in the oil patch, and the online complete that, and they wind up after four years with a six-figure income, and uh, it's quite exciting with no debt. And so I stated that again in some national uh, publication, and they came out. The headline was Texas Energy Experiments with Four-Year Diploma with No Debt and Potential Six-Figure Income. And that's what we're building now with the Department of Energy. has been down about six times working with us. Uh, it's an opportunity zone that rural Texas has at every one of these opportunity zones to use. And we're trying to present the model by which we can train for the future uh, and do it in a method that is needed, which is, a again, a four-year education producing six-figure income with no debt. That's exciting. It is exciting, and I can honestly see it being written about in Shell Magazine, too, here in the near future, because it's yeah. so exciting. Wayne, let me uh, switch gears and ask you a little bit about the Wall Street. We have a situation. We have, we've seen this coming for a couple of years now. There's a lot of pressure on large companies that have shareholders that they do not want to partner with oil and gas companies and funding them anymore because there's such a, you know, a horrible PR campaign going on against oil and gas. And it's triggered the fact that Wall Street is no longer financing oil and gas, along with a few other things. But give me your opinion on, is there a solution for this? Yes. And that's for the oil and gas. There's, a, there's an article in one magazine I read a couple of months ago that illustrates it best. It says the top 10 enemies to the oil and gas industry, number one, was the oil and gas industry. We have sat on our rears. That is true. allowed the other side to give out their false models that 100% are wrong, and they have distorted the truth to what oil and gas is. Fake news. Commissioner, you are preaching to the choir here on that. This is why we exist, though. (laughs) This is why this show exists. Uh, is because it's important to understand that, you know, again, without oil and gas, not possible for us to have the life and the lifestyle we have. But I think it's also more important to to see the transition. So I want to leave it on a positive note. We have seen oil and gas rise once again to the occasion and look at what their models have been and try to make a a conscious change to really take uh, ESG, more uh, implement those into their overall business model, which is basically focusing on environmental stewardship, um, how their their governance, trying to make sure that executives are not, it used to be great PR campaign was, you know, here's this, you know, fat cat in a suit making, you know, millions and millions of dollars. He's a CEO of this, yeah, you know, yeah. XYZ Can, corporation. Let me real quickly go through something I think that's just been inspiring to look at history and kind of, I think, puts in perspective where I think we are. World War One at the... Uh, uh, Ranger Field up in Eastland County was a large discovery of oil right after Beaumont's discovery. Yep. And at the end of World War One, the European Commonwealth of the country sent a letter, and it's in the American Institute of Oil and Gas Museum in Washington, that says, we won the war on a wave of oil from Texas. Uh, in World War Two, I'm looking at a poster of a statement from Winston Churchill uh, that says, the war was won on a sea of East 
Texas oil. That's when Kilgore, the East Texas field at that time in World War II. And they took that win in World War II, that East Texas oil, Texas oil helped win by Winston Churchill's quote and made the greatest generation, made us the world's superpower, more uh, charity, done more for mankind worldwide than any nation in world history. We now stand with West Texas, the largest discovery next to maybe Venezuela in the world. Estimates are up to 230 billion barrels of oil and trillions of cubic feet of natural gas. We have, that's nine times the previous estimates of uh, reserves in the United States. And we have a decision. Are we going to do like World War One and help win that? Are we going to do like Winston Churchill said and create the greatest generation for the future for our children? Or are we going to vote an administration in that says keep it in the ground, shut it down, and become dependent once again on the rest of the world for our existence? Well, that uh, will be determined in November, won't it? Chairman Christian, we do have to close this show. It was an amazing show. Thank you so much for coming and, and talking to us again. And we look forward to having you back. We have you back every couple of months to get us caught up on what you guys are working on. And we got have an upcoming session, so we look forward to having you back soon. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. And thank you, Chairman Christian, for joining us once again. Thank you. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bilotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.